welcome to the first episode of the OG of OT, Hogofat. Why do we need a podcast about OT cybersecurity? Because this is an industry populated by risk-averse system vendors, operators of aging infrastructures, government oversight, and international intrigue. Let's just say that it's the type of industry where it's best to learn from our mistakes. The only problem is no one knows what those mistakes are because no one is allowed to tell the stories behind them. This is where we come in. The OT cybersecurity industry has been around for a while. Some of us have been here from the start. And between us, we've heard it all. And this is a platform where we finally get to share these stories. An anonymous, obfuscated, and risk-free medium to tell you things you'd normally have to survive a DEF CON party to hear. We are the OGs of OT, and we think you're going to find these stories entertaining, educational, and probably a bit spooky. If we're wrong, this will be the shortest run podcast of all time. If we're right, this should be really fun. Operational technology is different from information technology. Yeah, we all know that. But, well, do we? For the inaugural episode of Ogo Fought, we're going to take a look at how badly the collective understanding of OT seems to be. Not just because it's always nice to learn something and make ourselves better, but because this persistent misunderstanding is getting dangerous. Yeah, I said dangerous, because one thing that's special about OT is that mistakes can have kinetic consequences, which is geek speak for things can go boom. So put your hard hat on, because things are about to get real. Oh yeah, and please don't forget to click like and subscribe and all that stuff, because starting a new podcast on a niche topic like this in 2024 isn't easy. Listening to the OG of OT, where we open up closets and expose the skeletons within them, bringing you a new perspective about the industrial systems that keep the world running and the threats that face them. You're listening to the first episode of OG of OT, Ogofot, aptly titled What the F is OT? Okay, so what the f is OT? Before I answer that, I want to appeal to those of you who are listening and thinking, oh no, not another IT versus OT spiel. I think you'll find this take a little bit different. Sure, I'll answer that question for those listeners who are new to all of this. But what I really want to focus on is how badly it's misunderstood. Still, in an industry that is now a bit more than a decade old, it's barely a teenager, but it's going to be old enough to drive soon. And while we're all standing in the road, wondering what could go wrong, the engine is revving. The sad truth is, there's still a lot that we're getting wrong. And by we, I mean people who should frankly know better. So first, what is OT? OT stands for Operational Technology. And this is where the confusion starts. It's become a catch-all for anything that isn't IT or information technology. But what exactly does that mean? Some of the technology that is used in operational areas is actually the same tech. Windows computers and network switches and so forth, it's used differently, and has different requirements, but the underlying part numbers can be exactly the same. This product manager from one of the industrial control vendors, we'll call him Bill, says it best. OT is about more than managing workstations. Yeah. You know, it's about sensors and actuators and stuff like that. We disguise Bill's voice because part of our shtick is that we protect the innocent as well as the guilty here on Agofat. Things to measure stuff like heat, conductivity, motion, 
pressure. Almost any physical quality, though. Readings are used by programs to make stuff happen. Opening or closing a valve, spinning a motor, opening an electrical circuit, uh, maybe turning on a pump, whatever. These programs are built using software that runs on regular servers, stuff running Windows. But once you build the program, that actually runs on shit that is a completely different animal than anything IT has ever seen. This stuff all communicates using standard Ethernet networks, but using special protocols that are designed for real-time operation. Readings come in and instructions go out. It's precise, which also makes it fragile. Again, it's as far from your traditional IT network as you can get. On paper, it's just Ethernet, but the similarities end there. The irony is that this confusing overlap of technology and terms didn't always exist. The engineering side of industrial control used to run on proprietary hardware and software. It used these consoles that were purpose-built and incredibly reliable. Yeah, they looked like something out of a 1970s sci-fi movie. But they worked. And it was so different from regular computing products that there was no way anyone would confuse one for the other. The operators bitched about it. Everything was closed back then. Nothing worked together and it was way expensive. They told the vendors that they wanted everything to run on cut. That's commercial off the shelf. We all thought it would make things cheaper and more standardized and interoperable. Um, we didn't really get any of that. What we got was a headache and a bunch of new security risks that didn't exist before. Well, that's not entirely true. The security risk did already exist. It was just harder to figure out without a lot of extra research. Hackers knew how to mess around with normal computers connected via normal networks. In a mess with a control system back then, you'd have to reverse engineer everything first. Security by obscurity is only so effective, but it's a moot point anyway. For one thing, those days are long gone. For another, it's not the operating system that puts a control system at risk. It's primarily the fact that the control system is designed to do what you tell it to do. There's a ton of reliability engineered into that system, but there's not much, if any, built-in security. So if you can access a control system and you know how to speak its language, you can simply tell it what to do. But I digress. Now the operators are complaining just as loudly about the systems being vulnerable to cyber threats but they don't want to pay for that effort. They just want it to be magically secure by design. Trust me, if I had that magic wand, I'd use it. I also wouldn't be talking to you right now because I'd be freaking rich. It's a, I want my cake and want to eat it to mentality that sets the stage for a pretty bad worst case scenario. Because these systems are going to be hard to defend against a cyber attack and they also happen to run our critical infrastructures. That's everything from electricity to fuel, food, clean water, transportation, the parts of our society that have to run smoothly. I don't understand how a vendor can sell us a distributed control system running on systems that aren't fully hardened. We have to do that ourselves and risk avoiding our warranties, or paying to have someone do it, or both. That was, well, we'll call him Joe. Joe works in an energy generation organization that powers about 15% of his country's entire electricity needs. His complaint is a common one, because the catch-22 involved in this vendor-operator relationship has been around for a long time. But that's not even the worst of his complaints. We get pressure from corporate all the time. They have their playbooks on how to apply patches and what types of antivirus to install, and that kind of stuff. They ask us to do this where it doesn't even make sense, or where our vendors won't even let us. They don't understand the importance of availability above all else, and how disruptive these things can be. This is another common rub. IT people are often trying to set the rules for how OT security is implemented when they don't know what OT is or how it works. It sparked a conflict between these two groups from the very beginning. One that still exists today. To explain this better, let me introduce the third guest for today, who we'll call Anton. I ran cybersecurity for and let me tell you, you can't find good people, there's too much demand and not enough supply. 
So a lot of idiots got hired into roles that they weren't qualified for. Those idiots can't do the grunt work. So they get promoted, they hire more idiots, and now I shit you not, there are people working in OT who are actually in charge of OT cybersecurity that don't even understand basic concepts like zones and conduits. They don't understand what next one second network delay could mean. Everything they know they learned from Google and they could be replaced in a second by a GPT without anyone noticing. These are the ones making the decisions. Wow. That's a lot to unpack, and we'll do that after the break. Stay tuned, because believe it or not, we've just scratched the surface up until now. The OG of OT is new, so we don't have any sponsors yet. So we're going to do some blatant self-promotion instead. OgoFought is about uh, sharing stories, and so our first ask from our listeners is to share a story if you've got one. Next, we're sending a bat signal to any other OGs out there, if you consider yourself an OG, reach out to us by emailing OG at OGOT.com and one of us will get back to you. The rules are, one, no sharing your name. Two, you need to give us permission to use your voice. Three, you accept any personal repercussions for participating, like if your spouse leaves you for being so goddamn foolish. Four, in return, you accept no liability should someone come after OGOFOT for some reason. Five, and for that same reason, OGOFOT reserves the right to obfuscate details that would put anyone at risk, especially if it's us. Finally, all OGs and all contributors get an exclusive OG of OT challenge coin. Join the club. OG of OT is where all the cool kids are hanging. Just go to ogofot.com. It's probably safe to assume that most listeners aren't familiar with OT. Maybe those people stopped listening already. Maybe they're starting to freak out because Anton just told us that no one in charge of our world's critical infrastructure knows what the hell they're doing. But I'm not sure this is true. I know a lot of extremely skilled people who are in charge of securing OT. It's not that bad, but there are definitely a lot of examples where someone who doesn't understand gets put in charge. I think it snowballed a bit when the boardroom got interested in OT, which coincidentally is about the same time they started calling it that. Up until then, we called it industrial control security or automation security. It's a small club, but everyone in it is some sort of engineer. Smart people who know their shit, trying to solve a problem with logic. But when it became a business issue, the pressures changed. Logic, no way. Most companies will have a CISO with authority over corporate IT. Maybe for larger companies, there's a dedicated cybersecurity team. But those are IT security people who are suddenly tasked with securing a new environment that they don't understand. Remember that OT and IT can use some of the same types of devices, servers, and operating systems at least in some areas. So to someone who is used to installing firewalls and patching windows and running AV scans, this just seems like more of the same. What could go wrong? I've seen entire manufacturing plants shut down because someone ran a vulnerability scan and created enough traffic to tip over the whole damn system. Oh, that could go wrong. Even something simple like an AV scan can overwhelm a server making it unresponsive. These are the systems used to provide human operators visibility and control over an automated process, so that's a bad thing. This isn't even a cyber attack. It's just basic system fragility. If you add an adversary into the equation, it gets scary pretty damn quick. An adversary might want to steal data or install ransomware or any number of things. Those things have their own challenges in OT, which we'll get into in a future episode. But if an adversary just wants to break things, it's so easy that it often happens by accident. A lot of times the incidents we discover are because 
the bad guys gain access to the OT network, and before they can even do anything, they manage to frag the whole thing. Or there's just some random worm that finds its way into OT and systems just start to crash. Imagine malware trying to call back to a command and control server, which shouldn't work because outbound connectivity should be blocked. But in one case, the router at the DMARS point was so old, it was running at over 90% capacity, even though it was only carrying maybe 50 megabits per second at any given time. So someone got malware inside and its C and C callback was enough to cause network issues. And that caused all sorts of buggy behavior, tripped all sorts of alarms. We caught them because footsteps echo loud in an empty space. Wait, if it's that easy? Well, it isn't. Okay, because you just made it sound easy. Well, in that case it was, but having your ICS go out of commission just because someone farted isn't a good thing. It was still an outage. In most cases, the systems are, well, they're still easy to break, but maybe not that frail. Most of the time, the bad guys could hang out forever and do whatever they want. What? So in one case, someone gets in and it makes so much noise, you catch them right away. And in another, they get in and can do whatever they want without any fear of being caught at all? Well, because in the first case, they broke something that IT knows how to monitor. On the IT side of things, there's probably a bunch of network security in place and trained people manning security operations. On the OT side, that isn't the case at all. So if an attacker breaches an organization's IT systems and pivots into OT from there, there's a trail up to a point, but once on the OT side of things, there's a lot more freedom. If the attack is a kinetic attack, most of what they do is going to be completely invisible to most IT tools, even if they were deployed. We're going to do a whole episode on kinetic attacks, also called cyber physical attacks. But for now, you just need to know that a kinetic attack tries to cause some sort of physical impact. They use cyber means to gain access to a control system. But once there, the control system, aka OT, is designed to create physical outcomes. It's what control systems are designed to do. So by manipulating the control system directly, you can make that big boom we talked about happen. And it's not a cyber attack anymore, so your IT security tools... At that stage, those tools are worth bupkis. Sounds like we need better tools. But there's another problem still. And that problem is that a lot of security vendors don't understand what OT is either. They see it as a nascent market, though, which means you get a lot of security products, probably very good products, but that just aren't suitable for use in OT. Don't even get me started on IoT or I, IoT or XIoT. These things are all completely different. They have O's and T's, but the similarity ends there. The I stands for Internet, and OT is by design not connected to the Internet, or at least it shouldn't be. IT is all about uh, devices like cameras that are widely distributed and connected directly to the Internet. That presents a unique cybersecurity challenge too, but it's not the same challenge faced by industrial control operators. The problem is that we don't spell it out anymore. We don't say industrial automation and control systems. Because, well, it's too hard to say. Say that ten times during a conversation, and suddenly an inaccurate and confusing acronym like OT starts to sound pretty good. Exactly. So, it all sounds the same. We have people making decisions thinking they are the same. They don't know the difference between them. And we have a hundred freaking vendors um, humping our legs and telling us they have the answer. It's a f***ing mess. So all of these vendors are pitching themselves as the solution to a problem they don't even understand. And they're giving the pitch to executives who also don't really understand. Can you see yet how this spiral of misunderstanding can cause problems? There are some vendors building real OT solutions, but there's far more chaff than there's wheat. And sometimes corporate pressures can outweigh the best intentions of the OT cybersecurity teams. OT-specific tools can also be more expensive with fewer features because they've got a niche customer and can't benefit from the same economies of scale. So a company procurement team might force a lower-cost solution that could cause more harm than good. No way. Way. I've been to countless plants where I've seen expensive rack-mounted security appliances still in the boxes, covered in dust, or where they paid to have a SIM installed, but they never used it. 
at all. No one even knew how to log in. So you have an industry that needs tools, that wants tools, and that sometimes even buys tools, but they still don't have anything useful in their tool belts. And it all comes down to bad decisions made by good people who just don't know better. Great segue to get us back to the whole point of this episode. What is OT cybersecurity? It's protecting a unique environment in unique ways, using tools that are kind of the same, but that sometimes don't work at all. And that can even cause outages or worse. And the consequence of failure, they could be catastrophic. Real-world examples of OT incidents have caused sewage to spill into streets, has tainted public water supplies, caused disruptions to gasoline supplies, and has shut off entire power distribution grids. On multiple occasions, most blatantly during the ongoing conflict between Russia and Ukraine. And yes, an incident could cause a big boom. So if you already know a lot about OT cyber, or if you're maybe one of those people that Anton talked about, or maybe you're just an average person who has never heard of this stuff before at all, please subscribe because there are a lot of stories to tell and a lot that we can learn from them. Because the worst part is that there aren't enough people still who understand all of this. And so that's why we started the OG of OT podcast to share the stories that will help everyone learn and maybe inspire some new talent to enter the field. Some of these stories are really interesting to the point of being kind of unbelievable. And I'm so excited to be able to bring them all to you on future episodes of Oh Go Fought. The ideas and opinions presented here are not endorsed by or associated with the OGs of OT and are not affiliated in any way with their employers or any of their business partners. All stories are true to the best extent that they could be verified and are presented here for educational and entertainment purposes. All names of individuals and corporations have been altered to protect the privacy of all involved and to protect us all from lawsuits and other forms of retaliation. Do you think you recognize a particular mannerism in one of our contributors? Do you think it would be fun to dox them? Please don't, it will just spoil the fun. Do you have a story to share? Go to the OGFOT.com. All contributions are 100% confidential and our privacy policies would make the EFF proud. You've been listening to the OG of OT.